Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. I was going to name this message the Lordship of Christ, but I thought, well, every week, gospel preachers, when we stand up, we preach the Lordship of Christ. So I renamed the message Pricked in the Heart. Because that's what's happened to every one of us. And the Lordship Christ will be brought forth in the first verse we'll look at, but then the following verses will show the effect, the effect that the words of Peter had upon two parties. Ones who heard with an inward effectual call of God and ones who the message just went right by them. Who made them to differ? God and God alone. Amen. Tells us that in scripture. It says, for who made you to differ and what do you have that you didn't receive? And again, in the Greek, that word differ, that's in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, that word differ is distinguished in the Greek. God distinguished us. And we will see God distinguish one group of people, one group of men from the other group of men. And there'd be 3,000 souls added to the church. My, oh my. <clears throat> so Acts chapter 2, we'll continue our study in this wonderful book. Look at verse 36. I had Brother Brian read that so we could see the context from 29 to 41. Look at verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. God did that. God raised him up. See, people, they used to say, they, years ago I heard this all the time when I was in religion, just make Jesus Lord of your life. God beat us to it. And we can't make, we can't make Christ Lord of our life. He's already Lord. He's already Lord. He was Lord in glory, wasn't he? He was Lord when he was on this earth. In scriptures we see here, he's Lord already. And Christ, Christ there being Messiah in the, uh, in the Greek. So Lord and Messiah. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They're terrified. What are we going to do? See, a certain group of hearers heard something. And a certain group, the ones who are saying they're just a bunch of drunk men, don't listen to them. They didn't hear nothing. My, oh my. Then Peter said unto them, <clears throat> Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, there has been a whole denomination out there called the Church of Christ who take this one verse right here and say, See, you must be baptized in order to be saved. You know what I'm going to tell you? That's a lie. You must be born again. If we're not born again, we're not saved. Right? 
And those who are born again desire to follow the Lord in baptism out of obedience and as a public proclamation of the Lord saved me. It has absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Look at this. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's us. And there's that word again, Dave. Shall. It keeps showing up, doesn't it? Who's calling them? The Lord. How will we call them? They shall come. They shall. That, that word, I, I think I told you, is used 9,000 times in the scriptures. And it's incredible. Because it's binding. See, that's a, that's, a, that's a binding term for the everlasting covenant. They shall come. Not one of them can be lost. Praise God, it says that, right? Oh, they shall. They shall. As many as the Lord our God shall call. <clears throat> and many... And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untold generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So Peter's declared in his sermon, so far in the day of Pentecost, that the same Jesus whom these wicked Jews crucified and, and had slain, was raised from the dead by our great God. By our great God, by his power. And he also declared that the same spirit, or the same Jesus that they had spit upon, they'd mocked, right? They'd beat, they'd murdered, was now at the right hand of the Father. Sitting, mediating for us. He's the mediator. He's the one mediator between God and man. There's only one. It's not no priest. It's not no one else. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Only one. And he's declared. He's declared to be the Son of God. The glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified is what God the Holy Spirit uses to deliver us from the darkness of our natural state, being dead in trespasses and sins, he uses the preaching of the gospel. See, we preachers, just like Peter, we're just instruments. That's all we are. A surgeon uses instruments, right? But who's the one controlling the instrument? The instrument's just an instrument. The surgeon is the one, right, who takes that instrument. You know, we don't want someone operating on, on us who doesn't know what to do with that instrument. God does an operation on our hearts, doesn't he? We have a new heart now, as we said in Sunday school, that hungers and thirsts after righteousness by an operation of God, Paul wrote in Colossians. My, and so the preacher's just an instrument. And so he uses the preaching of the gospel to, to bring his, to deliver, to, to rescue his people from spiritual darkness. And remember, they're his blood-bought people. He's ransomed them. He paid with his life, the Lord Jesus Christ did. That's the cost of our, of our salvation, is the shedding of the blood of Christ. <clears throat> oh, and then he uses the gospel to mature us. 
to grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of Christ Jesus our Lord. And it all hinges upon him, doesn't it? Our salvation hinges upon our Christ, on Christ Jesus our Lord. Our growth hinges on Christ Jesus our Lord. Because the Holy Spirit, who will he teach us about? Christ. He won't teach us about anything else, will he? Oh, he'll reveal the truths about the Lord Jesus Christ to us. My, oh my. So that's why we gospel preachers must preach Christ. It's vital. It's absolutely vital. You know, I, I, we had a couple visitors a couple weeks ago and uh, found out the fella, <coughs> excuse me, and his wife, they travel all over the world. And he came here and found out that they believe like we do. Afterwards, I found out they believe like we do. And they, he, he said, you know, see that McDonald's across the road? He goes, we've been all around the world. Her, she's a traveling nurse. We've been all around the world. And every McDonald's I go to has the same burger. And he goes, but not all churches have the same message. And he says, we've been to churches all around the world. And he says, it's nice to come and sit and hear someone articulate what you believe and to preach Christ. Because not everybody's preaching Christ, beloved. But see, we gospel preachers, this is the only message we have. I, I, you know, that's the only I only have Christ to, to, to set before you. Now, I'm going to set, set him forth before you in all different scriptures, right? Like every message is, is different. But who's the, main, who's the main one of every message? Christ our King. Amen. He's the main one. He's the main one. Now, today, first, we'll see the Lordship of Christ... And then we like, I'd like us to consider the effect that the preaching had upon those who, who heard the words preached. And I also want all of us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to apply what these believing Jews experienced on the day of Pentecost to what we've experienced when God the Holy Spirit regenerated us. Were we not pricked in the hearts? Did we not see ourselves as, oh my gosh, I've sinned against God. What am I going to do? And did not, did not the Father just show us Christ then? Or did not the preacher just set Christ before you and the Holy Spirit went, there's the bomb of Gilead. There's the only Savior. Look to him and live. Look to him and live. And God, the Holy Spirit, was pleased to give us true saving faith when we heard the gospel, when we really heard it enlightened our minds to the preaching of the gospel, to believe it by God-given faith. So you must be born again. Then comes faith, and then comes repentance. And faith and repentance is like faith on one side, repentance on the other. It's the same piece of paper. God gives us both to us. Right? At the same time. My, oh my. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 36 again. And we clearly see in simple language that Peter declares, <clears throat> excuse me, that the Lord Jesus Christ is both Lord and the Messiah. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath made the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and 
Christ, which is Messiah. Very clearly and very plainly stated, right? And Peter tells us that Christ is indeed the exalted King of glory. <coughs> I'm sorry. The man who was nailed to the cross now sits in the throne in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he has universal dominion, beloved. He is in control of all things. There's not even an insect that crawls on the ground that he don't know about. And according to his will and purpose. Isn't that amazing? How many ants do we see in our everyday life? That ant is walking and going all according to God's... It's amazing. Will and purpose. He's seeking out whatever God wants him to do. You say, come on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That ant don't got no free will, right? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I had to, no. That ant, but that ant is just doing what, what it naturally does, right? Or a butterfly flying, landing on a leaf. You ever, you ever, had, a, you ever had this experience? You'd be sitting there, maybe sitting on your porch, and all of a sudden the most beautiful butterfly will land close by and you Thank you, Lord. Or some insect. Thank you, Lord. That's not random, beloved. When I, or a bird lands beside you or near you, you heard birds singing that just, just, that's not random. That's all by the providence of God. Sister Carol and I often talk about how we just sit out and listen to the birds. It's beautiful. And then birds are singing to the Lord, beloved. You say, come on, Wayne. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> They're singing to the Lord, beloved. My, oh, my. See, the whole world praises God. Right? The trees, when they wave, what are they doing? This is Spurgeon's. So they're waving in adoration to the Lord. The waves of the ocean as they crash, clapping in adoration to the Lord. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. Oh, my. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That man had a way of looking at things that was just incredible. Just incredible. So the man who they nailed to the cross now sits upon the throne of glory. He's king. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords. He has taken possession of his throne again. So what does this mean? What, what's the significance of Christ's exaltation? Well, Christ on the throne means that his work is finished. The, the priest, the high priest, when they went into the temple, there was no chair for them to sit in because they had to go back in again and again. Christ's work is done. It's finished. Tom, he's redeemed us. It's done. He said it's finished. We rest in that, don't we? We trust in that. It's finished. He came to do the Father's will. Which was what? To obey the law perfectly and to redeem his people from their sins. And he did it. He did it. He didn't fail. Nope, he did it. 
And because God's pleased with that sacrifice, he's raised from the dead, isn't he? Where is he right now? Sister, he's right now. He's seated at the right hand of glory, isn't he? Right now. And we're going to see him one day. We're going to see him one day. Face to face. Just like that song we're going to sing. Face to face. Number two. What does this mean? Number two. Christ's exaltation upon the throne of glory means that God the Father has accepted the sacrifice of his son. And if he's accepted the sacrifice of his son, and the scripture says we're accepted in the beloved, what does that mean? It means we're accepted in Christ. <laughs> oh my. And, and will God the Father ever reject his son? No. Well, he say, well, you know, your arm over here, Wayne, he's sinning too much, so we're going to get rid of that arm. No. Praise God, our salvation is not dependent upon what we do. It's dependent upon what he's done. Now that will give you joy. That will give you peace. And that comes from the Holy Spirit of God as we looked at in Sunday school, right? Remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from him comes from him and the the believer's assurance that our sin is pardoned is the ascension and the exaltation of Christ so we can sit here today and say I'm a saved man or woman because Christ ascended into glory and God is absolutely satisfied with that sacrifice isn't that my you know uh, Ever since I've been listening to the DJ and stuff, and he's just, he just hammers that. That you can't, we, we can't sin our way out of God. And, and Paul said, God forbid that we'd even do that, right? We can't sin our way out of Christ. But the believer doesn't want to do that. But when, when you hear that your salvation is not dependent upon anything you do, my, that's wonderful news. That's, 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 that's truly the best news I've ever heard. And I just want to keep hearing it. Do you? My. And then number three, the exaltation of Christ proclaims reconciliation between God and man. See, when Adam fell, right, that, that fellowship was broken, wasn't it? And the gospel is the ministry of reconciliation, Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, he said the gospel is the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation between who? Between God, the offended party, and between men who's offended God. And think of this. This is what just blows my mind away. He's the offended party, and yet he sends his son, who's the only way we can be reconciled to him. What love he has for us to do that. To surrender his son. To die for our sins. What love he has for us. And that we know we've learned, haven't we? We've learned through our studies and various messages that that love is an everlasting love. Jeremiah says, he said to Jeremiah, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Before your mother conceived you. Woo! My, that's for every believer, isn't it? My. That's, that, you can't even measure that. You can't even measure that love. And yet, it's true. 
My, oh my. So the debt, Brother Dave, the debt for our sin, paid in full. Paid in full, brother. How? By the redeeming blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the God. And that's true for every one of us who's believers. The debt of our sin is paid in full. Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> help me to live in that every day. Help me to have that joy, right? That comes from the Spirit. And I'll tell you what, if we live in that every day, we're going to have joy. And we still confess our sins, don't we? Yep, we still confess our sins. But if we live in the fact that I am totally saved by the precious blood of Christ, I've been redeemed. And my sins have been paid in full. Not by anything I did. I sinned against the God who sent his only begotten son to die for my sins. Because the only way I could be reconciled to him who I offended was through the death of his son. My. So we say, well, why me? Well, because it pleased God to do it now. It pleased, him to, it pleased him to send his son to die in our room and place. It pleased him to do that. Would we, send, would we send our son to die for, for our enemies? People who are shaking their fist at them, at us? We wouldn't do it. Not one of us would do it. And here's God. He sends the Son of God, the Word of God, into this world. Very God of very God, right? As much God as the Father, as much God as the Holy Spirit. He's God the Son, and he's sent into this world to reconcile us to God. My. And number four, the exalted Christ is able to save fallen man, as Christ on the throne is able to save all who come by him. Christ is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was tempted, yet without sin. And I'll tell you what, he's God. I'll tell you what, Brother Zane, can we keep ourselves from falling, Brother Zane? Can't keep ourselves from falling, can we? But praise be to God, we worship and adore and love he who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless like we have no sin that, that, that word faultless it, it means unreprovable and then he goes on to say and blameless with exceeding joy you know why he's filled with exceeding joy to present us faultless and blameless because he, he purchased us with his precious, precious love. And because we are the gift from the Father to him. You ever think of that? You're a gift? You're a gift from the Father to Christ. Now we value gifts from those we love, right? 
probably more over than more so than than if we got a gift from someone we didn't even know. Imagine how Christ feels about a people being given to him by the Father's love. Imagine how much he loves those people. That's us. That's the redeemed of the Lord, beloved. Loved with an everlasting love. My, oh my. What a hope we have. I'll tell you, what a hope we have. So our Lord is both Lord and Christ. He's, he's both Lord and the Messiah. We don't make him that way again. He's, he's God, God's made him that. And then right after Peter boldly declared that to let all the house of Israel know surely that, that God hath made the same Jesus whom they crucified, both Lord and Christ, we read these holy inspired words in verse 37. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart. Now remember, there, I had mentioned before that this was during the time when they would be offering sacrifices, so there'd be all kinds of men offering sacrifices during the day at that time at nine, 9 in the morning. They'd be offering sacrifices. And um, there'd be all kinds of people from all different places, and that they, heard, they heard the preaching in, in their own language, remember? Well, now we see some are pricked in the heart, just like we were when the gospel was made effectual to us. We may have heard it before, and it may have went right over us. But there was one time when it became effectual. When we actually went, I hear something. I never forget Josh Goble coming up one time, and he said to me, he said, after a service, he said, I heard something, Pastor Wayne. Man, we were all crying. He heard something. My, oh my. You see, the only one who made these people to differ, it says, and they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Remember that, remember the, the Philippian jailer? What must I do to be saved? See, man always asks what we, what we have to do what, what do we got to do? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right? My, oh my. Now think of it. There's, there's two, two classes of people here. There's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. Right? We know in this world there's only two. There's saved and lost. Right? There is sheep and goats. We know that because that's what the scripture said. We don't know who they are, so we preach the gospel to everyone, right? And have the gospel go out all over the world. But there's two parties here. Ones who heard and ones who didn't hear. All of them, both parties heard the words of Peter, right? Just like... All of you are hearing the gospel preached. To some, it's effectual. To some, it's edifying. To some, it builds up. And as it goes out, 
right? There are some who, who, don't, who don't know and, and don't understand. The words go right by them. But then there's some who it's effectual to. And many, after they heard the words of Peter, continued in their ungodly state of unbelief. But some, we see here. You know what's happening right before us? Some are being raised from their spiritual death. They're being, they're being, they're being taken from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of of God's dear son right before our eyes in the text. Isn't that amazing? They're pricked in their hearts. And, and who made them to differ? What is the difference between these two parties? God's sovereign grace. That's the, only, that's the only thing that made us to differ from all the people we know in this world. God's sovereign grace. See, salvation's a heart matter, isn't it? It's a heart matter. And only God can deal with the heart. All we preachers do is, is trumpet the message out and it's God that does the heart work. That's why we say when God's dealing with someone, leave him alone. Leave, see, religion will like, well, you got to pray this prayer right now. You got to do this. You got to do that. Leave him alone. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. He's the only one who can do the heart work. And we just keep presenting the scriptures, right? We just keep setting Christ before our family members and our friends. And anyone who asks questions, we just, set, we just set Christ before him. And Peter here, he's been, he's been entrusted with the, the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessed honor of preaching, but he's just an instrument. He can't do the heart work just like I can't do the heart work. Now, I can tell you about someone who's done, done the heart, heart, heart work on me. God the Holy Spirit. See, if, if, if I wasn't saved, I couldn't preach to you. I, wouldn't, I couldn't tell you about Christ. But, but I'll tell you why. The Lord Jesus Christ saved my soul, and I'm going to brag on him as much as I can. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to just keep setting Christ before your, your ears because he's the only hope. He's my only hope, and I know he's your only hope, right? <laughs> we don't want to hear 50 ways how to be a better Christian because we can't do it. <laughs> it just shows us how much failures we are. <laughs> but in Christ, we got victory, beloved. Remember sing that song? We need to sing it soon again. Victory in Jesus, right? Victory in Jesus. That's where our victory is, is in Christ. He's the conquering king. My, oh my, it's wonderful. <coughs> mm. so I can only do what Peter's done and every, every sent preacher God can only do what Peter's done tell you about Christ set Christ before you and we, can't, we preachers can't make the gospel effectual no only God the Holy Spirit can do that look at verse 37 again now when they heard this they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do well, it's God and God himself alone who pricked 3,000 men's hearts that day. 3,000. Isn't that amazing? All at once. All at once. John Gill says this. 
about those who were pricked in their hearts. He says, the word of God entered into them and was a sharp sword unto them. Remember the word of God's like a, like a sharp sword, a double-edged sword? Which cut and laid open their hearts in the sin and wickedness of them. And they saw themselves guilty of a crime laid to their charge. So they saw themselves by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, as sinners. And they saw themselves guilty of what Peter said. That they had by wicked hands taken and slain the Lord of glory. And that can only be shown to us. See, you know who else had a part in, in slaying Christ? All of us who are God's people. You know why? Because it's our sin that was laid upon him. My, oh, my. My, oh, my. He's dying for the sins of his people. What great love. What great love he has. Oh, my. He goes on to say that they were filled with remorse of the conscience for it. They felt pain at their hearts and much uneasiness because they're like, what, what, what are we going to do? And were seized with horror and trembling. They were wounded in their spirits being, I like this, being hewn and cut down by the prophets and the apostles of the Lord. That's what happens to us. The Lord just takes the axe to us, doesn't he? And he just hewns us down through the preaching of the gospel, doesn't he? Oh my, we get cut right down, don't we? Every one of us. My, and he goes on to say this. They were hewn and, and cut down by the prophets and the apostles and the slain, slain by the words of his mouth. And they were as dead men in their own apprehension. We're, we're dead. We're dead. And indeed, a prick, a cut, or wound in the heart is mortal. My, oh my. They were cut down. I like what Scott Richardson and Henry Mahan used to say all the time. I love this. It's so true. God's grace is stripping grace. It strips us right down to nothing. And then builds us up in Christ. Clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. But before it does that, it strips us right down. Like, like Gil said, takes, a, takes an axe and just cuts us right, right at the lower legs. And what happens? Our pride just goes kaboom, doesn't it? Our self-righteousness just goes kaboom. Down it goes into the, where does it go? In the dust. And Scott used to say, we make our headquarters in the dust. That's so true. That's what happens to a believer when they become under conviction. When the Lord's drawn them to Christ. When the Holy Spirit's drawn them to Christ. So they saw their need for the Savior. Just like we did. Oh, how thankful we should be when God sends one of his preachers to preach Christ and him crucified. Oh, my. My, oh, my. But he, he took us out of that spiritually deprived and dead situation that we were in spiritually and bought us and lifted us up into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, when we heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfect work for the redemption of his people, that's when we cried out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Right? Have mercy on me, Lord. We might not have said it like the publican did, but I'll guarantee you, we cried out for mercy. Forgive me, Lord, please. I've sinned against thee and thee alone. My, oh my. 
And it's so different from the mechanics of religion, isn't it? You all know I was a Catholic, and there's all mechanical stuff in that. Repeat this, repeat that, repeat this. Now it's a cry from the heart. Now when I pray, I pray from my heart, right? Now there's sin in it, because I'm a sinner. But I'll tell you what, it's different. It's a lot different now. I serve a living Redeemer. Somebody offered Vicky. we went to a thrift store we go to all the time, and somebody said to Vicki, you want, you want a cross, a neck cross? With, and she says, no, my, 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 my Savior's not on that cross. He's risen. I don't need that. He's risen. Man, isn't that wonderful? He's risen. He's he not hanging on some cross. People put these superstitious things in their homes. That's all it is. Just a bunch of superstition. We're, we're going to hit that one part. On, I, I can't wait to get there. When Paul's talking on Mars Hill and he says, he's, I'm going to paraphrase this. He says, I, I, I perceive you're entirely too superstitious. <laughs> That's man in our natural state and in religion. Too superstitious. Too superstitious. My. It's all around us. I love hockey. I love hockey. And those guys, they tape their sticks. They tape their sticks one way, thinking it's going to bring them luck. And they keep doing that as much as they put, they tie their skates every time. If they score a goal or get multiple, oh, I'm going to keep doing it that way all the time. Superstitious. Nothing but superstition. It's all around us in religion and in all different places. Also, too, you ever think of this? We love sports. Do you know that substitution is set forth before us in every sport? I was thinking about that this morning after I listened to DJ. I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking, well, in hockey, the right defenseman comes out and somebody jumps in and becomes the right defenseman. That's substitution. In basketball, a guard goes out, someone comes in to play guard, that's substitution. Right? In baseball, substitute runner. Right? It's all through. It's all over. Substitution is set before us all the time, beloved. But we know the truth of the real substitution. That Christ died as our substitute, beloved. Isn't that wondrous? My, oh my. And our great God... Our great God, when we cried out for mercy, our great God, by his sovereign will and purpose, granted us repentance. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God and then granted faith and repentance before God. My. But before that, we were born again by his spirit. And Christ said, this is the key right here. You must be born again. You must be to see the kingdom of heaven. My, oh my. And then following, following repentance before God, which, do you know, is just, a, just a, a change of mind. Following that, we desire to be baptized. We desire to follow the Lord in baptism, to be identified with Christ, confessing him as our Lord and Savior. And so marvel at this, beloved. After these Jews who were ordained to eternal life, they were pricked in their hearts. They said unto Peter 
and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? My, oh my. The Holy Spirit had convicted them and revealed to them that what Peter had boldly preached was true. Was truth. Just as the Holy Spirit reveals to us when a preacher is preaching that that's the truth. He's not lying. We can tell when a man's lying to us, can't we? He's not hard. He's not hard. They say things like this. Well, God's done all he can do. Now the rest is up to you. That's a lie. Or every head bowed, every eye closed. Put your hand up if you want to be saved. And repeat this prayer after me. Now you're part of the... I've actually heard guys go, now you're part of the kingdom of God. There's absolutely no Holy Spirit work there. Liars. And I've been in, I've been in situations where I've heard both. I don't, I don't just say God's all he's done. And I've heard that. I've had friends of mine say that from across the road. I was talking to a fellow this week. And he said, well, Christ died for everybody. And I said, so you're telling me that, that all he did was die to make them savable? He said, well, he died for everyone. I said, no, he didn't. If he died for everyone, everyone be saved. And, and then he just started spewing stuff out. What do you do? I, I've told you guys what to do, right? I said, okay, in John chapter 10, Christ is looking at these Pharisees, and he's just said a little bit further up, he said, I give my life for the sheep, right? I said, who are the sheep? He said, well, God's people. I said, yep. I said, and then he says, he looks at these Pharisees and says, you're not my sheep. What does that tell you? I said, Christ didn't die for them. That's what it tells you. That's what it tells you right there, so plainly and clearly, right? Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. I thought, that was me before the Lord saved me. And that's why I just keep setting Christ before this fellow. And that's what we're to do. Just keep setting Christ before people. And always use Scripture. And you'll notice... You'll notice people who don't believe what the Bible says will give you all kinds of stuff about what they believe. And that's not worth a hill of beans. That's just words. That's all that is. Scripture is where the power is. In Scripture alone. God does not lie. This book is truth. When he says, when Christ says, I give my life for the sheep, he means that. Right? And then he says to those sheep, I am not going to lose one of them. I ain't going to lose one of them. Well, that fills our hearts with joy, doesn't it? Oh, my. My, oh, my. Let's read verses uh, 38 to 41 now. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untold generation. Then they that 
gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Oh my goodness. 3,000 people pricked in the heart by the Holy Spirit of God. See, he can save whomever he wills, right? My. Peter's answer to those who were pricked in the heart, what, they said, man and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, repent. And we know repentance only comes from God. It's, some, it's not something we can muster up. It comes from God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, repent. Repent. Now, that's needful for today, isn't it? Just as needful for today as it was for then. Repentance. So what is repentance? Well, I'm going to tell you what the repentance isn't first. Repentance is not reforming your life so that God will have mercy on you. Remember our dear sister saying, just as I am? Do you know it's another gospel to say, clean up and come to Christ? That's another gospel. What dear Linda saying was so true. Come to Christ just as you are. In our filth, in our sinfulness, come to Christ. Come to him. So true repentance is not reforming your life so that God will have mercy on you. And true, true repentance is not cleaning up your sinful lifestyle or getting your act together so that you can make yourself good enough so that God would accept you. That's not true repentance. Not at all. True repentance is not something that the sinner does to gain favor with God either. Because we can't gain favor with God outside of Christ, can we? Do you know what the word repentance means in the text? It means to think differently in the Greek. To think different. We think differently now about Christ and the Bible and the gospel and God and the Holy Spirit than we ever did before we were saved. Isn't that amazing? That's what it literally means in the Greek, to think differently. My, how can we think differently? Only by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, right? That's the only way we can think differently about Christ. That's the only way we can think differently about God. That's the only way, beloved. <laughs> it's all by his mighty work. So let's say hallelujah for his mighty work in us. Hallelujah. Amen. It's him who's done that work. It's him who's done it. My, he's so good to us. And these Jews, remember, they're self-righteous religionists. They, they have a wrong view of who, who Christ is. He's the Messiah. They just think, oh, he's just some teacher. That's before they're saved. Who do they think he is after they're saved? He's my all in all. He's Christ Jesus, my Savior. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What Peter proclaims is true, and I believe it by the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? Is that not so with us now? We believe what God says. 
Norm keeps saying that all the time to me. He says, the difference between God's people and the world is we believe what God says. We believe it. And these Jews, they were self-righteous religious. They'd been deceived by the religious leaders. They'd even deceived themselves into believing that they had established their own righteousness just because, just because they were of Abraham's seed, his natural seed. <coughs> Excuse me. And they believed the promised Messiah was coming to sit on David's throne and to, to, to wipe out the Romans and for them to rule. But Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. My, oh, my. And now, 3,000 of them have had their hearts pricked. 3,000 of them have been regenerated. You know how we know that? Because they cried out, what must we do? Natural man doesn't cry that out. Stuff can be happening to them and they just start cursing God. But the born-again, blood-washed believer, we cry when we hear the gospel. We say, oh, Lord, thank you for having mercy on me. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for granting me faith to believe. And we, we who are born again will repent. We'll think differently by God's power and by God's power alone. He will turn, he's turned these men from their wrongful thinking and their sinful view of themselves and of Christ to now they believe the words of Peter. Just like that too. You notice that? Peter didn't say, bow your head and repeat a prayer, right? It's all God, the Holy Spirit. You know? That's why I like about Spurgeon. Spurgeon said this, and I love this. He said, God can save you in your seat without you moving a muscle. Because it's a heart work, right? Let's look at verses uh, 38 to 41 again. And think of this. By the regenerating power of God, the Holy Spirit who gave them a true understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. Because remember, Peter's preaching from Psalm 16 we saw last week, right? And they didn't have the New Testament. All they did was preach from the, the Old Testament. My, and we see them turned. They're turned to believe what pre, pe, Peter's preaching. Look at this, verses 38 to 41. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall, there's that little word again, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. Notice who does the calling? It's God. God does the calling. Yep. It's effectual. And with this many other words... Did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untold generation? Then they that gladly, look at that. Gladly. How are they glad? We looked at the fruit of the Spirit today, didn't they? Didn't we? Well, they got the joy of the Holy Spirit in their hearts now. They gladly received these words. Oh, my. They gladly received his word and were baptized in the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 who turned. 3,000 who, who thought differently all of a sudden. Oh, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. My, oh, my. And let us remember that it was Christ, the exalted God-man, who gave them repentance. Over in Acts, flip just quickly over to Acts chapter 5. I'm going to close up here soon. Acts chapter 5. 
It's God who, it, it's God who gives them the repentance. This, this thinking differently comes about by regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God. Think of us. Think of how we thought before the Lord saved us and think of how we think now. We see everything now in the light of God's providence, don't we? I never used to think that way. I never used to think that that little ant was being guided by God's providence. I never even thought that. My, oh, my. And think of the things we can't even see under the ground that are, that are moving all by God's power and control. My brother Neil, he, he sees you plant those, the, the corn and beans, and God's the one who gives the increase. My. See, preachers, we're just, we're just sowing. And God gives the increase. Just sowing the word of God. Just keep sowing, brother. Amen. Amen. Look at this in Acts chapter 5, verses 31, or 29 to, to 33. But the verses 31 where we see that God gives repentance. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. They're, they're talking to the, these, these Pharisees are trying to shut them up. And they said, no, we're just going to keep talking about Christ. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on the tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and savior. And look at this. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Who gives, who gives repentance to God's people? God. Who gives forgiveness? God. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, look at this, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. So instead of repenting, thinking differently, these folks wanted to kill them. My, oh my. Do you know if... if if people could destroy God's people, they would. They would. They would. They'd destroy every one of us if they could. But they can't. They can't. I think we may have even tried to destroy ourselves by, I know, my recklessness before the Lord saved me. I, 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 we talked about it on a Wednesday. It's got to be four or five times I should have died before the Lord saved me. But it wasn't my time. I hadn't been saved. Isn't that amazing? So God preserves us until that appointed time. My. And it was God, the Holy Spirit, who pricked the heart of these hearers. You know who they were? They were the redeemed of the Lord. Christ had died on that cross for their sins. They were just saying, crucify him, crucify him, some of them probably. Remember he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. My, oh my. Now they're saying, he's Lord in Christ. <laughs> he's the Messiah. So what does this tell us? This tells us salvations of the Lord, doesn't it? It's salvation. It's God who pricked their hearts. It's God who regenerated them. It's God who gave them faith to believe on Christ. It's all God. It's all his work. So let we who are the born again, blood-washed children of God rejoice as there was never a time when God didn't love his people. 
There was never a time, sister, when God didn't love us. Never a time. My, oh my. God himself says this to, to those he chose. And this is a verse I quoted in, in Sunday school, and I'm going to quote it again here. He says this. Listen to this. Jeremiah 31.3. Uh, if you can memorize it, write it to your heart, whatever, or just think about it. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. What's that mean? What's everlasting mean? That means it doesn't end. Listen to this. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. I drew you with love and kindness. He drew me, he drew you, beloved, with love and kindness. It's true of all God's elect. We're guilty sinners, just as guilty as the workers of iniquity that God hates, but there's never been a time that he's not loved us. That's truth. That's what Jeremiah, that, that's what he told Jeremiah. And that's true of every born-again, blood-washed believer. I've loved you with an everlasting love. My. And he laid down his life. Christ laid down his life for those he's loved with an everlasting love. Willingly. He obeyed and honored the whole law of God. He established the perfect righteousness that only God will accept. He will only accept a perfect righteousness. So the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, establishes a perfect righteousness which God clothes us in. How do we know that? The father of the prodigal son said, bring forth the best robe. And he was clothed in that. What's the best robe? The robe of righteousness. The robe of the righteousness of Christ that we're clothed in. Oh, accepted in the beloved, beloved. It's wonderful. And the blood of, blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I say, cleanses us from all sin. Like, I mean, we're washed clean, beloved. We're going to get snow soon. I love it when that snow comes because that reminds me of that scripture verse says, I'll make you whiter than snow. And there is nothing like that first snowfall or even just a snowfall. And that's so white, no one stepped in it or anything. It's just white and beautiful. And you can literally see the, the, the sparkles coming from the snow. It's so white. Oh, my. He obeyed and honored the law. He established the perfect righteousness the Lord Jesus Christ did for his people. And God's accepted that. My. For if... For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Praise be to God. Saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Kept by the Lord Jesus Christ. Glorified by the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life's like a vapor. We'll be there soon enough. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. And mercy of God. My, oh, my. Brother Travis, can you close us in prayer?